0: Hello and welcome to the 42nd episode of How Not to Suck at the Stocks. This is your host, Dan Hansen. Uh, I want to I apologize really quick for the shitty audio quality of the last few episodes. My microphone started giving off this real annoying metallic sound, so I stopped using it. I just been using my MacBook's internal microphone. I know it sounds really airy and shitty, but I'm going to have to buy a new microphone at some point. But in any case, uh, this episode is entitled Hindsight is 2020," so I want to talk about mistakes and uh, when i say a mistake i don't mean like you're playing poker let's say it's a cash game uh someone pushes all in you look down at a pair of aces so you call and the flop comes like you know seven 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 and they have seven deuce and they beat you like i'm not considering that a mistake right i'm saying a reasonable person at the time with the information available to you would have considered it to be the wrong decision like to me that's a mistake Um, so the big mistake I've made in my investment, uh, career, I suppose you could call it is with Wells Fargo. So I started buying Wells Fargo in 2013 and in 2016, the scandal broke, you know, when they were management was essentially incentivizing, uh, sales numbers that were unrealistic. So sales teams were just, you know, committing fraud just making up accounts that the customers didn't know about so this big scandal the SEC way up the bank's ass and I just figured it would blow over and my mistake was not that I thought it was gonna blow over my mistake was I really didn't understand the company and this is coming from a guy where every time I look at a stock what's the first thing I say do I understand the business uh, Well, Wells Fargo I don't know how I could have pretended that I understood the business. I never even read a single report. I mean, it, it boggles my mind. I, 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 I tell people like, if you can't be bothered to read the report, you should not own the company. And yet there I am not reading the report because they're like 300 pages long. I didn't have time for that, I would tell myself. And I, I thought I could get by on just uh, mostly the qualitative aspects of the of the stock, of the company. Which, if you if you know my philosophy, my philosophy does rely heavily on qualitative aspects, but it doesn't rely entirely on qualitative aspects. And so, the only quantitative analysis, if you even call it that, I was really doing with Wells Fargo was I was looking at the price to book, which looked cheap, and I think that I think it's a fair statement. And then I was looking at uh, the ROA, the return on assets, and that looked good. Um, I. I think it's okay to use heuristics and rule of thumb to summarize why you think a stock may be a good investment. Uh, But you have to understand the business. So uh, an example real quick. Someone came to one of my investment meetups years ago, I believe the stock was Honda. And they were like, look, it's trading at four times earnings. And we, the group, explained to him how, you know, there were just extraordinary line items that were, were juicing up the earnings, and the, the four times earnings was not, uh, you know, it was not real, essentially. And after listening to our analysis, he just shrugged his shoulders. And he's like, but it's four times earnings. So, uh, you know, sunlight cannot pierce muddied waters, but in the case of Wells Fargo, I was the muddied water. Um, I did not understand the business. So yes, while the price to book may have been cheap and the ROA may have been good, um, that wasn't enough. I I was not looking at uh, the key metrics, uh, like, pardon me, you know, were were their customers going up? You know, were their customers going up? Uh, How are they going up in relation to competing banks? You know, uh, I I just, and there's probably other metrics that are important in banking that I don't understand. Um, So anyway, long story short, I had no business being in the company. I ended up losing, I think about, at the time, about 5% of my total portfolio on Wells Fargo. That's really the only time I've ever lost money on a stock because I've been investing since 2012 and it's been this huge bear market run over that time. Um, So anyway, so so that was a a big mistake. And I I do want to say that when you make a mistake, it's important to learn from it and not commit that same mistake again but i i i think you want to look at your mistakes so you do not become overconfident but i don't think you want to go too far in the direction. i think you want to be humble without being down on yourself and and depressed um so in other words, you know, analyze your mistakes. Look at them within a reason, but don't like beat yourself up over it. Like, you're a human. You made a mistake. It's not going to be the last time you make a mistake. Uh, you know, the game must go on. Like one of my uh, my favorite Brett Favre quotes. I think it was I think it was like his first game. So this is a trivia question for you. You can make some money at a bar with this one. Who did Brett pa- uh, Brett Favre complete his first NFL pass to? Uh, the answer is Brett Favre. Uh, he was playing for the Atlanta Falcons, and uh, he threw it, and uh, I guess like it got batted, and like he ended up c- catching it. Or the whole point of this story was, you know, he threw a pick, and he goes right to the coach, and he's like, "How'd you like that one, coach?" <laughs> and the coach is like, "Sit the fuck down." And to, to a certain degree, you kind of have to have that mentality when it comes uh, comes to mistakes. You have to be humble enough to know, like, yes, I will make mistakes. It is not the end of the world um while still trying to avoid mistakes which is perhaps something brett Favre could have spent a little more time on but in any case uh, back to stocks um the other mistake that really uh sticks out to me is um i can't think of this oh google of course okay uh and i'm not talking about the time i sold google back in like 2014 because i was tired of making money uh i'm talking about in the march of 2020. So, I remember I was out driving with someone, and they mentioned how, oh, there was this house, and they love the house, okay, and I'm like, well, why don't you buy it? And they're like, oh, because I think the price is going to go down. I'm like, well, do you think it's a good price right now? And they're like, oh, yeah, I think it's a great price right now. And I'm like, okay, well, there's two things you know. You know you love the house, and you would, well, at least think you know that it's a great price, Okay but you have no idea where the price of that home is going to be in six months. So why would you forsake two variables you're pretty confident in for a variable in which you couldn't possibly be confident in? And while I was, you know, mansplaining this to her, uh, I couldn't help but think of Google because at the time Google was trading at like a thousand a share, like 1100, maybe even down to like $900 a share. And, uh, I wasn't buying it with much expediency because I thought the market was going to go down, and I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't know why. I, I, man, I, I, I really roll my eyes whenever someone starts bringing up macroeconomic forecasts. When someone asks me, "Oh, what do you think the stock market's going to do in the next few months?" or or when they pretend they know what the stock market's going to do in the next few months, I really just. Have nothing but contempt and disdain for such lines of thinking. So how I was able to become susceptible to it, I really don't know. And that's actually the scariest type of mistake, where I can't like logic through and see. Oh, okay, I made a logical error at that part. I'm not gonna just kind of like fix how I think. And I'm not gonna make that kind of that same type of mistake again. With this, I really have no idea how I fell for it. Um, I was surprised by how swiftly and accurately the stock market was able to digest what was happening. Um, While everyone else was amazed that the stock market was going up, everyone was like, I can't believe it, there's a pandemic. Why is the stock market going up? It shouldn't be doing this. I was amazed that the stock market was doing what it should be doing. Because look throughout history, there's never been a time where you should panic sell. Okay, there's ever been a time where it was, like, really a bad idea to invest in stocks. Um, I mean, yes, you can, like, point to the top of, like, the bubble. You can point to the top of the Great Depression. Uh, but, you know, you'd still end up having more money today than if you hadn't owned stocks at all. Even buying at, like, those worst times. Uh, so, yes, when the, stock, when, yeah, when the stock market really corrected, and when I say corrected, I don't mean, I guess correction means when it goes down. I'm saying, like, corrected as in it went back up. Um, I was really kind of surprised at how sane and rational the stock market was being. And I, I, in my hubris, I thought, well, it can't stay sane and rational it, it must become insane and it must start panicking. Uh, but of course it didn't. And March was the bottom. And um, that'll, and you know, I, I, shouldn't have tried to predict the wins. I don't know why I did. I don't know why I made the attempt. Um, if it, I, don't, I didn't think I needed that lesson. But apparently, uh, apparently I did. So, um, but you know, it's not the end of the world. Like going back to not beating yourself up too bad. So instead of having a cost basis of like a thousand or eleven $1, hundred on Google, I have a cost basis of like thirteen twenty eight or whatever the hell it was. When I just checked it recently. Um, okay, that, that's not exactly going to go on my tombstone. Is like the reason I died. So I think I can get over that one. I just that's not the kind of mistake I want to make again in the future, though, for sure. Uh, another the last mistake I'm going to bring up again, has to do with 2020, is, well, actually, I don't know if this is really a mistake. Let me explain. So I had owned, my portfolio was two-thirds Apple, and then about an even share of Berkshire, Wells Fargo, and uh, Disney, pardon me. I turned over that entire portfolio last year. Wells Fargo, we already talked about. Uh, Disney and Berkshire, I believe I've talked about in the show, one second. If you're curious as to when I sold them, just look at uh, a graph and point to the lowest possible point in 2020, and and that's when I sold those stocks. Um, I should clarify, I didn't sell them because I thought they were shitty companies that should be sold. I sold them because Google and Facebook were really, really cheap. I mean, you had a situation where Google and Facebook, on a net cash basis, were trading at about 20 times look-through earnings. And I just thought there was a lot more growth potential in Google and Facebook. Uh, but if I'm being perfectly honest, if I made no investment decision at all in 2020, I believe I'd have more money today. Which is a bit results-oriented uh, uh, thinking, perhaps. But the reason is, is because while I sold Disney and Berkshire at the bottom, I didn't really buy Google and Facebook at the bottom for the reasons we, we've already discussed. Um, so I think on a percentage basis, I'd be, I'd have been be- as a return basis, which is the only really basis I care about, I'd have been better off sticking with Disney and Berkshire. But I'm much happier owning Google and Facebook than I would be uh, disney or um, Berkshire. Someone a friend of mine had asked me about Disney, like why I had sold it and everything. And my response would be, like, if someone put a gun to my head and said put everything into Disney for the rest of your life, like, you know, it wouldn't be the end of the world. That's so why I thought there were just better investments. Um... Out there. But I didn't think they were going to go bankrupt or anything of the sort. I just thought growth would be slower. And then uh, the biggest mistake of 2020 was actually one I didn't didn't pull the trigger on. So around that same time, I was looking at Apple. It was at about 200 pre-split. So okay, that's easy. It's a, it's like 50 in in this post-split environment. As I'm recording this, Apple's at like 130 something. I want to say. So it was at 50, and it was trading at like maybe like 18 times earnings. And I thought that was expensive because here was Facebook and Google trading for like 20 times earnings. So I was gonna unload my Apple position, which was huge, um, into Facebook and Google. And then Apple just went bonkers. Apple went from 200, I think I sold it at like 529, 528, somewhere in there. So it went up over two and a half times in a very, very short amount of time. And that come up, that gain will always show up on my record and make me look way more intelligent than I actually am. Um, if you believe in the multiverse, which apparently is what physicists believe in, uh, there are many, many, many alternative universes where I sold Apple at 200 and don't look quite as smart as I do in, uh, uh, in this current one, if I look smart at all. Um, and then as for, as for selling Apple, um, time will tell if that was a mistake. Uh, at the time, I thought it was a screaming sell, but then reading through Philip Fisher, which I actually <laughs> recited at nauseum during that episode, that Apple episode, uh, his theory is basically just don't sell based on price. Um, I'm, I actually do want to do an episode on when to sell. Um, as you can tell, maybe I'm not the best guy to do such an episode or any episode, but uh, in any case. Um, but yeah, w- w- when you consider the tax hit and everything, I th- it's it makes it a lot closer than you think. And also... Your opportunity. So, I'm. St- I still have a huge cash position. Huge. It's. It's about like a fourth. of My overall position uh, is still in cash because I plowed. A, you know, I made Facebook a fourth. I made Google a fourth. I made Amazon a fourth. And so this other fourth is just sitting in cash and um, not entirely through lack of effort, effort either. And I guess now I'm just rambling. But uh, um, last year I subscribed to Value Line, both the regular one. And the small mid cap one, I read over like 3,000 reports in like six weeks, or something fucking insane. Cause I'm just, I, you know, I read about Warren Buffett and his like moody manuals, and I'm like, oh, I can do that. Anyway, but, uh, so I did that, and I, I really, reading all through all those thousands, it really just convinced me how good the three I was already in were. Cause most companies just suck so bad with abandon. But anyway, um, yeah, I guess that's the end. Uh, so, uh, recap, <laughs> with Wells Fargo, you should know what you're investing in. If you're not reading the reports, you should not be owning the stock. I, I had to pay uh, a f- 5% of my portfolio at the time just to learn something I should have already fucking knew, or, or did already know, uh, with Google. Um, I already knew that if you think it's a great company and you think it's a great price, then just buy. Don't you know? Don't look at the tea leaves. Don't look in your fucking crystal ball what the future is going to behold as far as the price is concerned. If it's a good company and a good price, just fucking buy it, and the rest will work itself out. And then um, with the last uh, mistake, and that really kind of ties into uh, the other two. So I don't really know if there's much to take away from there, I suppose. But in any case, uh, this has been Dan Hansen. Uh, Thank you very much for listening. This has also been How Not to Suck at the Stocks. Um, Yeah, all right. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.